you worship team. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 tonight. Uh, Jeremy, can I get um, a bottle of water, son? Uh, Galatians chapter 5 tonight, as we turn there in the Word of God, uh, we're going to be uh, referring to that passage of Scripture weekly because we're doing a series and um, we're talking about the nine hallmarks of a transformed life. And uh, we're referring to uh, the trademarks, we're referring to the signs, we're referring to the hallmarks of a Christian life tonight. And I've said this statement a number of times, uh, and I will say it again, the Christian life isn't only about forgiveness of sin, but it also involves a changing of character. I want that to sink in, because we seem to promote the forgiveness of sin only and uh, what we see taking place around us today are more and more Christians that do not seem to represent Christ. You can witness, but not be a witness. Can I make that statement again? You can witness, but not be a witness. What I mean by that is you can be someone who shares the good news of Jesus Christ. You can share your testimony and your stories. You can share your head knowledge with people about Jesus, but not live anything like Him. And that's what I mean by you can witness, but not be a witness. You need to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And I've seen numbers of people in the years of my ministry and in the years of being a Christian that saddens me and troubles me incredibly. Uh, we were just talking as we were on the way to church earlier. Uh, imagine if this was not the last generation that we are living in or that we are facing today. Beloved, as bad as this generation has become, the lack of fear of God, the sense of irreverence for God, and the sense of inconsistency and unfaithfulness to the things of God, if this is not the last generation, I think the only thing I can say about the coming one is this antichrist. Because I don't think in all my reading of the scripture, we're living in a generation that has gotten from bad to worst. And I declare to you, beloved, if it doesn't alarm you, I don't know what will. But I think we're very close to the return of Jesus Christ. I think we are just at the tip of Jesus coming back. The great falling away must happen. And then the Bible says the day will come. Remember, I preached that this morning. The great falling away will happen and then the day will come. And so Christianity tonight 
I can tell you stories in this place. I can tell you numbers of people that I know and I've come across over the years of different uh, 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 level of faith and different arenas of life. And I can tell you, beloved, in all my years of being a Christian, I've seen many, many, many people who have carried a bad testimony of Jesus Christ. And this is what bothers me. This is what begin to uh, trouble me that the character, the characteristic of a person that is supposed to exemplify Christ is no longer seen as much as we want it to be seen today. Christianity, beloved, is holistic. It involves life in its entirety. It is not enough that we are forgiven of our sins. You and I must remember and understand that the day we said the prayer, salvation is only the beginning. And we seem to identify that, that there are many who call themselves Christians today. Many who claim to say, I'm forgiven. Many who claim to say, I've been redeemed. But there are also in the many of those people whose lives have not been transformed. And I declare to you as we read Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 25, that the Bible begins to give us insight concerning this. And I want you to look at that with me. Galatians 5, 22 to 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So when you say you're a Christian, when you say you're a believer, when you say that the Holy Spirit resides in you, then there are certain trademarks you must carry and I must carry that professes to the world, I'm a Christian. I am not going to live like the world. I am not going to respond like the world. I am not going to act like the world. Yes, no doubt we live in the world, but church, I declare to you, we are not of the world, the Bible says. And a person's character is as vital as his relationship with God. Often character is dismissed while spiritual things are emphasized. People emphasize so much about the years that a person is in ministry without identifying the character that the person has. I have met some very blatantly rude Christians who have been Christians for 15, 20 years. And when you talk to them, they blatantly are rude to you on your face. I have met some Christians who are liars. They've been Christians for 15, 20 years, but they tell lies like Jesus hasn't changed their life. Isn't that true tonight? I met some Christians who bribe and cheat and say, I'm a Christian. Oh, I go to church. Let's, let's take it a little bit more personal. We have some ministers as politicians who are Christians that gossip and slander about other ministers. Now, that's not a Christian attitude. Unfortunately, when you read the Bible to live a Christian life, it's a very high call. 
And we're talking about character tonight. We're talking about testimonies tonight. I have met some of these people and they are proud to be Christians, but they are also filled with a lot of arrogance and pride. And so we want to talk about these things tonight. We want to address the character of a Christian. And I've been talking about love. I've been talking about kindness. I've been talking about long-suffering. I've been talking about peace. I've been talking about joy. I hope these sermons have helped you to identify and introspect and look into and examine your own life and say, do I have that in me? Is that there or is it absent? And if it's absent, God, I strive to have love in my heart. I'm striving to be kind in my heart. I'm striving. It's not that we are going to be perfect the moment we say a prayer. It's not that our lives are going to be transformed overnight. It's a process, beloved. A sanctification process. But what must be happening is we are striving to be these things as Christians. And so what we're talking about tonight is the subject of faithfulness. This is a very personal subject because I am convinced that faithfulness is commitment in action. God who is faithful to His promises he says, to, he says to you and I, beloved, He who is faithful to His promises, He says, those who remain until the end will be saved. But what does it take to remain? We talked about the falling away this morning. You can be in church, but your heart could be far from God. You could be involved in ministry, but your heart could be far from God. Listen to me, beloved. It takes two to tango. I can preach the sermons that God puts in my heart to preach, but it also takes you to respond and listen and begin to apply it in your life. The unfortunate reality is as much as it takes two to dance, it takes two to tangle. The unfortunate reality is we can listen to sermons day in and day out, week in and week out, and make no changes in our lives. And I think that's one of the greatest battles as a pastor that I battle with and fight with. God, do my sermons mean anything to people? Do my sermons in any way make any impact in people's lives. Because you look at people and they're... So what? You preach a sermon? I'm going to live the way I want to live. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And I think that is what really needs to be dealt with. Because the Bible says, he who remains. And I think one of the greatest characteristics in remaining, beloved, is being able to stay steadfast until the end. And what's going to help you stay steadfast? You feeding the spiritual man. That's the key. You heard me preach this morning on that. You have to feed the spiritual man. You have to keep feeding it. Even when you don't feel like it, you're going to have to be in church. Even when you don't feel like it, you're going to have to read the Bible. Even when you don't feel like it, you're going to have to come and give faithfully. Even when you don't feel like it. You see, Christianity is not about feeling. It's a commitment. It's the same as marriage. The same reality that when I married my wife for better or for worse, till death, do us part. 
It is until the end that we stay faithful to one another. It is until the end. It doesn't matter how, how I wake up the next morning. It doesn't matter how she looks 20 years from now. It doesn't matter how I look 20 years from now. What matters is a commitment was made and that must stand the test of time. Today, you look around you and you find this very virtue that's coming under assault and attack where faithfulness has gone down the tubes. There was a dog. I don't know why I'm using dogs. This morning also I used a dog. Tonight also I used a dog. His name was Hachiko. <laughs> Hachiko was known, his name, his nickname was known as Hachi. And his new owner soon became best friends. And Ezeburo loved his dog, the name of the owner. And he treated him as a son. According to the, the story, they were both inseparable. As Hachiko grew older, he started to see his owner off to work in the morning at the Shibuya train station in central Tokyo and went to pick him up at the station in the afternoon when he returned from work. On May 21st, 1925, only two years after Hachiko was born, Hachiko was as usually sitting by the exit of the train station waiting for his owner to return from work only to find out, only to come to realize his owner never showed up that day. Hachiko moved in eventually with a former gardener of the UNO family, but throughout the rest of his 10 years of his long life, the life that he lived, every morning and every afternoon he went to the train station for 10 years until the day he died. And a major newspaper reporter picked up the story of Hachiko in 1932, published it, people started calling him Chuken Hachiko. I hope I'm pronouncing it right, which simply means Hachiko, the faithful dog. That is rare today. It is rare today. So let's study the word of faithfulness. Because what I always hear and what it seems to always display to the circle of Christians, the root word of faithfulness comes from the word faith. We know that. Faith, faithfulness, fullness of faith, okay? But the word faith, if you study the Greek definition of it, is a word of action. The word faith is a word of, it's a verb, it is expressed and it reflects action towards other people. So when we talk about the subject of faith, it is impossible to please God without faith, the Bible says. So faith is indeed an action word. And the context of our scripture that we are reading as we've been studying this verse over the past several weeks refers to the subject of Christian character but more than it reflecting on the Christian character if you have been following these sermons, you understand we are not expressing this character to God we're expressing it to our fellow men. Kindness to people, love to people, joy to people Peace, peacekeeping and peacemakers to people and so on and so forth. So what we are referring to in this passage expresses its nature to others, not to God. 
You have to catch that. That's vital for you to grasp because what we are talking about in the realm of faithfulness isn't to God necessarily, but to fellow men. And so when God uses the word here, faithfulness, what does He mean? What does He mean? Matthew 25, 40. And the king will answer and say, to them, assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to the one of the one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So, what are we talking about? Ref- this expression of faithfulness to others, that as we do it to others, we are doing it to God. Now, why am I saying all of this? Because to be faithful is to stay true until the end. To stay faithful simply means to remain steadfast. It is to stay true to a relationship. It is to stay true to a marriage. It is to stay true to a friendship. It is to stay faithful until the end. And one of the great arguments you hear today is I don't have to be faithful to church, but I can still be faithful to God. Are you sure? I don't have to come to church. Not necessary for me to be faithful to church or to pastor. I can show my faithfulness to God. But what we are referring to here is in the context of our faithfulness towards men. Our expression of faithfulness. So we're not talking about faithfulness to God here. You can keep that that theology to yourself tonight and say, okay, I'm faithful to God. You can stay at home, uh, you can watch, or you can do all you want to do and say, I'm faithful. You're right. There's a need to realize that in order to be faithful, you have to understand that it's expressed towards men. And his kingdom. And that's what God is talking about here. So there are people who jump from one church to another church. There are people who enjoy church hopping. And then they'll say, oh, I want to tithe here. Or I want to give here. Without being faithful to one single body of Christ. That's not faithfulness. That's not faithfulness. According to this passage, being faithful must be expressed not only to God in your life, but also to the people that God put you. So are you faithful to this church? Are you faithful to the members in this congregation? Are you faithful to the headship and the leadership of the church? Because that's exactly what the passage is talking about. Kindness, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and faithfulness. And so this is, the, this is the debate. Often people don't know what they're talking about because they don't study the scripture. And most pastors today, I'm sorry to say, just want your money. Unfortunately, that's the truth. That's why they can go full-fledged online and don't have services anymore because the giving is increasing. They don't have to pay rental. Don't need to pay for the housing. And, and, I, and I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'll say it as it is, beloved. That's the truth. You hear it 
They want to keep all, they want to keep that luxurious lifestyle. Remove the preaching of the truth. So to stay faithful means to also stay faithful to the people and express by God to the people that God has put us with. Hebrews 3.14, look at this passage. I'll read you three different versions of this passage. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. This is the NKJV. Amplified version says, For we have become fellows with Christ and share in all He has for us. If only... We, our first newborn confidence and original assured expectation, firm and unshaken to the end. Okay, the NLT version is even better. Look at this. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Imagine if everyone stayed faithful the same way they were faithful when they first came to the house of God. Imagine what the house of God can achieve. Imagine what we will become as a people of God. And as believers, our expression of faithfulness towards God is also displayed towards our faithfulness with people around us. It is staying true. It is staying loyal. It is staying steadfast that we stay true and consistent, that as we call this term and we use the word faithfulness, we are referring to the subject of reliability. Are you reliable? Can you be depended on? Can you be counted on? This is what Galatians 5 is saying in the subject of faithfulness. You are a person who can be reliable. You are a person that can be trusted. You are a person that, that can be counted on. And as believers, this is the character God expects us to embrace. Our words must be trustworthy. What we say, we must do. Staying faithful requires seeing beyond differences. In the 2005 edition of the Guinness Book of Records, Percy and Florence Aerosmith held two records. One for being the longest marriage of a living couple. They were married for 80 years. And secondly, having the largest married couple aggregate age. So put the both of them together, they came up to 205 years old. So they lived long. Both Mr. and Mrs. Aerosmith have since died. But they left good advice for those who want to have a lasting marriage. Florence said, you must never go to sleep, bad friends. If you've had a quarrel, you make it up. Never be afraid to say sorry. Percy, on the other hand, had a slightly more humorous advice. He said the secret to his long marriage was just two words, yes, Dear, you'll do well as a man when you just say yes, dear, to everything that your wife says. But the point I make to you here is in the differences of life, staying faithful is a choice you have to make. 
Tell me one perfect marriage. Tell me a perfect relationship. Tell me a perfect friendship with someone. Tell me a perfect pastor. Show me a perfect church. Show me a perfect leader. We know that all of us have weaknesses and flaws. But the choice of faithfulness is a decision we all have to make. If we're Christians, we cannot be jumping from here to there. It is a character that God expects us to make, make up our mind and stay steadfast. It's a character. I'm not going to have question marks anymore. I'm not going to wonder and fly here and fly there and, and you know, rotate from here and rotate from there. It is going to be my decision to stand and to be steadfast. See, to be faithful also means we stand by their side. In a marriage covenant, we say, for better or for worse, Till death do us part. So in material, the virtue of faithfulness suggests to us that no matter how hard, no matter how easy, no matter how bad, no matter how ugly, I am choosing to stay faithful. I am choosing to stand by their side. That's faithfulness. To be faithful is to stand by someone's side. And that brings strength. That's why the Bible begins to declare to us that this is a virtue that the Holy Spirit puts in us. When we are unable to stay faithful, when we are unable to remain steadfast, when we are unable to remain rooted, when we are unable to stay uh, uh, firmly rooted, listen, beloved, we must strive to say, Holy Spirit, give me the strength to stay faithful. The Holy Spirit that resides in us bears witness. You realize, beloved, that today in our culture, people are looking for entertainment. I was just talking to Yen and I was saying, you know, if people want to grow, there's no excuse in a church like ours why people cannot grow. Think about it. We have morning prayer, Monday to Friday, every day we are here for prayer in the morning. You come, you start your day in a relationship with God. On Fridays, we have Bible studies. We teach you the Word of God. We don't come and just sit down and babble some subject on politics. We come and we teach you from the Word of God what the Bible teaches, what the Scripture shows us. And then Saturdays, we have youth sessions. In the most part, we do sessions during the time for what reason to equip oh but pastor boring listen that's more important than entertainment that's more important than them having fun and not being rooted they are going to grow up one day and they are going to run away from the faith beloved because they say oh this is boring but that's the truth there's a place for fun there's a place for excitement. There's a balance to all of that. But we must be equipping our young people with the Word of God. What does the Bible say? And then there's no excuse. Sunday morning, the service. Sunday night, the service. Tuesday nights, the service. The preaching of God's Word. Why? 
would we not grow with all that preaching? Explain to me. It's Satan. I work on three sermons a week. I am always working on something to preach, to bring a word of God from heaven. But in the process of all that, beloved, there must be no reason with all that preaching. And then we avail ourselves for counselling. We avail ourselves for any type of conversation, anything. We are open, we are available at all times. My phone is on, Yen's phone is on. You have Siva in the, uh, working in the church, his phone is on. The church line is on. We got all the numbers. You can reach us at any time and ask us for question. Ask us question. Why would you not grow? Why? And what do people go after? You must ask yourself, what do I really want from Christianity? Do I want to get closer to God? Then this is the place. You really want to know Jesus? You come and you listen to sermons and let God build you up. And I think that's crucial, beloved. Peter knew Jesus. He knew Him as a friend. He knew Him as His Master. He knew Him as a King. He knew Him as the Lord of Lords. The Bible says when Jesus asked Him, Who do men say I am? Jesus, sorry, Peter revealed and said, You are the Son of the Living God. He had a revelation of the man who was standing before Him, whom He called His own mentor. He had a revelation of it. And you know what? Under pressure, when the women came around and said, oh, you're one of them. You know, what Jesus, you know what Peter did? He denied Jesus. He threw his faithfulness down the tube. He denied him to his face. Fear. Don't want to be locked down. And I declare to you, church, tonight, that you and I, if we're not careful, if we don't embrace faithfulness in our lives, if we don't embrace faithfulness in our hearts, we can come to a place one day where we will deny Jesus and renounce Him. Have you made a religion out of a fiction of your imagination? You know, pure Christianity is not easy. But you can make it whatever you want to. You can, you can make Christianity whatever you want to. You can say, oh, I don't have to do this. And you can justify it according to your own imagination. And that, I think, is the greatest downfall in today's Christianity. That everyone is making Christianity personal to them in the context of religion, it's actually a pigment of their own imagination. This is what I want it to be. Oh, God never said I have to be faithful and then you justify it. Oh, God doesn't say I have to stay rooted and then you justify it. Oh, God doesn't say I have to give and then you justify it. So what are we doing? We're making our own religion. So you can preach to a church of 50 people and you have 50 different minds who think differently about Christianity. You and I are called to be faithful to this book. 
and what it says. This is faithfulness, beloved. This is what Paul is saying to you and I, that when a person becomes a Christian, when a person gets saved, when a person gives their life to Jesus, in Galatians 2, verses 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself... Christ who lives in me. If Christ truly lives in me, then the conviction that I feel should be the same conviction you feel. Because we're taking command from the same one. And my God will never, ever, 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 ever promote unfaithfulness. Never. My God will never promote adultery. Have one leg here and one leg there. My God always, always challenges the human heart to change and to stay faithful. And I believe tonight, as Christians, you and I have a critical decision to make. No more games, church. We're not here to play games. We're here to decide that God, I need to be faithful to you. Because as the Bible, and as I preached this morning, what we're dealing with today is the great falling away. Let's close tonight because our faithfulness, as Paul says it, represents Christ to the people around us. When people see you're faithful to God, it speaks volumes to them. Have you met someone who's faithful to their job? You have to be faithful to your job. Amen. You have to be. Right? You, you can't be working here and then after that uh, tell your boss, oh, you know what? I need to go off in one hour time. I got another business I need to go and attend to. Your boss will say you decide. You can do anything after working hours, no problem. But your boss will probably not agree for you to do anything during working hours. And that's the truth. You can do it after office hours. You can do anything you want after your job is done. You can leave the office, go and do whatever side businesses you may be doing. And all of that is fine. But beloved, we understand that here we are. When we tell people that, you know what, I am faithful, I am loyal. You know, it's so rare today for people to say, I'm faithful to my marriage. It's so rare. That when people hear those statements, when people hear those words, they realize what's so different about you? Why are you so faithful? I was reading the story of Paul and Barnabas. Let me, re re let me summarize it for you just to give you some, some insight and depth on this. Paul, obviously, Saul, who got saved, he knew that God had called him to go into the ministry. And as he was called to go into the ministry, he was called to go and preach the gospel in different parts of the world or different parts of the city. And as Paul decided to do that in regions beyond, the Bible says, Paul was looking for a man whom he can work with. And if you understand anything about Paul, Paul had John, Paul had uh, John Mark, Paul had uh, 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 
Peter, Paul had Barnabas and different, different men. But all of those men, there was only one man out of the many that proved to be faithful to Paul's calling. And his name was Barnabas. And let me give you some insight concerning this because Barnabas' friendship wasn't just short term. When he became a friend of Saul, Barnabas made a commitment for the long haul. And after he met the disciples, Saul took some time off. He retreated. If you study the scriptures in Acts chapter 9, you would see that he's retreated for a period of time. He studied, he prayed, he spent time uh, in Tarsus at that point of time, the town of his birth. And what happened is he came back to Damascus and in time the church wondered what had actually happened to Saul, the convert. And at that point, a friend who indeed wanted to spend time with Saul, went looking for him. Barnabas went to look for Saul. And when Barnabas found Saul, he brought him to Antioch. And Barnabas at this point of time, for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. Barnabas stayed with Saul for a whole year. And beyond that year, Barnabas stayed with Saul for a lifetime. They started churches together. They grew missionaries together. And they even stayed together in the midst of disagreement. In short, Barnabas was the kind of friend Saul needed. And Saul needed a man to stay with him. You know the cry of every pastor is for people to be faithful. I was, we were talking about this just now. You know, every time you hear the media about a pastor, you know what? There's only two things they always say. Pastor fell because of moral failure or pastor took money from the church. Isn't it true? It's always these two stupid things that, that, that just gets on my nerve because when you try to do the right thing, they are poisoning everyone's mind about a pastor. And you know, when people come to church, why should I give money to the church? The pastor will take the money. What do you say? You know, these are unseen battles that go on that people don't see. We fight as pastors and as wives. No one sees this. We condemn it. Our pastors, they don't realize we're human beings as well. And you know what we really need? We need people who are faithful. We cannot win the world. We cannot do much if it isn't for people who are faithful. Pastor Harold Warner, years just, just at Pastor Mitchell's uh, uh, ceremony, um, uh, he gave a eulogy. Uh, I think before that, he preached a sermon. For 50 years, Pastor Mitchell was his pastor. 50 years. Sometimes people don't realize the blessing of that. That here's a man who knows the ins and outs of your life. Can speak into your life, bring clarity, bring direction, bring stability. And look at this generation today jumping from one place to another place. I got a man who called me just a few days ago. He said, would you do a funeral if someone died who's not in your church? This is not the first call. I think you also asked me some time ago. They know when to look for a pastor. 
They know. They know that's the time. <laughs> Call the pastor. I said, I'm, if on the, on the grounds of formality, if I have to do it, I will do it. But if I don't know the person, and if that person, I remember getting a call one time, a few years ago, this, this, this lady asked me, Pastor, you know, I got this family member died, and you know, would you do his funeral for him? And, and, and I remember Pastor Allen wasn't around. He was in India or China or something. I called Pastor up. I said, Pastor, uh, this person called me up. They want me to do, and this person was from his church. He said, don't do it, Gary. He said that that man that she's talking about is abusive. He's a drunk. He's beat his wife up. What are you going to stand as a pastor and tell people in front there? He's a good man. You expect me to lie? When everyone there knows he's an abusive violator. I mean, you realize how tough this can get. It's hard. But I'm telling you, beloved, the only gratifying component in all of this is when Christians can catch a revelation of being faithful. Faithful. I remember getting a text message a few weeks ago. And this one of the sisters in the church texted me and she said, she said, Pastor, I thank you for being our pastor because if not for you, I don't know where my children would be. That made my day. It made a difference in my life because people don't value that anymore. They think they can jump from here to there and assume that somehow we don't have feelings. We are also human beings. And I'm telling you, there's a reason why God says we must be faithful. Try being unfaithful in your marriage and see if your husband or wife will walk away from you. Try being unfaithful. We know the outcome in that, but we take the church for granted. We are unfaithful to the church, but when we want pastor's help, we want Sister Yen or we want somebody else, oh, pastor, blah, 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 and then we want help. But we are never faithful. I'm challenging you tonight. I'm not preaching this as a condemnation. I'm preaching this so that we realize the only way we will stay until the end is if we remain faithful. And faithfulness means sticking in material of the seasons and the times that we go through. That's faithfulness. That's faithfulness. And I challenge you tonight, embrace that virtue. Embrace that value. If Christ truly lives in you, you will understand the need to stay faithful. I want you to bow your heads with me.